Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Welcome to Eternal Girls. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Gullia. Phil's back. Oh my god, I'm back. Welcome back, Phil. Yeah, welcome back. I don't know, you guys were crushing the cast. Thanks. I was I was listening from across the uh, from across the way. From across the pond, huh? It was it was like being uh, a, 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 only a listener once again. Well, I would be very interested in hearing how your experience was. We should just jump right in in, okay, in I'll, England you, playing Legacy. I will condense the experience down into real quick thing. First, Europe was awesome. We went to we spent time in London, obviously Birmingham, and then we also spent a couple days in Brussels. Uh, I was wasted for a lot of it. I remember that uh, the group that I was with uh, they had to pick me up off of cobblestones in the Grand Place in Belgium because I was wasted on the floor. Uh, so that worked well. And then I can tell you that all of that time when I did no practicing for the tur- tournament, I then went into Birmingham and punted two matches on day one, finished X3 and did day two because, you know, sometimes when you're exploring the world for the first time, because I'd never been to London before, instead of uh, slinging spells, you end up... Uh, seeing sights and then uh you know you don't do so well but i think that's uh, fair you know like uh you know you go on these trips uh you're not just there to play magic you know the trade-off the trade-off 10 out of 10 would do again uh it was very cool to go to another country to play magic too that was also very cool i played against a bunch of players that were from all over europe and getting the experience to play against uh players from other countries and seeing that it's the the lingo is still more or less the same. Like there were there was zero language barriers. Even when I was playing against players that English wasn't their first language, I don't speak another language. Luckily for me, most of them spoke uh, pretty pretty well in English. Uh, but even without that, we were just able to communicate in game uh, super easily. Like there was never a difficulty in figuring out what was going on in the board. Uh, everybody was like super friendly and great. And I. Uh, would not be opposed to uh, traveling again for a major card tournament. I would just put in more practice next time. Yeah, I, I um when I went to Lisbon, uh, a couple this was like Return to Ravnica sealed uh, Grand Prix in 2012. Uh, I I commented that uh, in the context of the game, like Magic is a pretty universal language. It's it's sort of amazing to to realize how easy it is to communicate with somebody in this game, uh, and and have absolutely everyone know what's going on. Well, yeah. 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 And, and I've never played another country. I think was, that's cool. Uh, the um, essentially like the meta game share, like the decks that I played against, I didn't feel that what I the, the decks that I was running into would have been all that different in terms of uh, the spread that I would have played against in any uh, North American GP or just like a general GP. I, I like there. I didn't see like. A more combo skewed meta, or a more it, it it was exactly what we talked about the week before I left. What we were expecting, like that was just, it. Just all um, Grixis Delver all day. Well, the thing is that like <laughs> the 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 top eight definitely like showed the skew of a, a Grixis dominated format, and then the answers to that yeah. deck. But uh, I played against a bunch of uh, Sneak and Show, a bunch of Grixis. Uh, I mean, essentially, nothing was surprising in terms of the decks that I played against. Yeah, I think and that's. I was, I was kind of surprised by that. I thought that the that Europe was going to be a little bit more combo heavy. Uh, one thing that I, I will say though, no lands. I did not see lands oh, anywhere. Wow. I saw turbo depths a bunch, but I did not see lands anywhere. See if like, we were in have... lands. Italy, I could understand like you know Italian legends. Then you've got the Italian tabernacle, right? Well, it's interesting that you say that for that reason, like, uh, you know, there's, there's Italian cards. But also, um, it's, it's, I wonder if that was a meta call and people played Turbo Depths. I saw a little bit of discussion among the, uh, 
Merit Lage enthusiasts about, well, if I just play Turbo Depths, I don't have to bring my Tabernacle to this tournament, and it's probably just as good. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would say that I, I was surprised in that I thought Lance probably would have been a good pick for this tournament, uh, at least based on the, you know, top decks or the day two decks. Like, there was just a lot of decks that were playing things that I believe Lance is probably favored against, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean Gr- Grixis Delver, Miracles, you know, those those are decks that generally make it to the second day, and uh, Lands is pretty solid against both those decks. I mean, Miracles did not have that great of a turnout. They didn't. Well, you're in, you know Miracles people, right? I mean, there are a lot of them in Europe, or are they mostly here? I mean, I, I, I just thought it was going to be, you know, one of the Tier 2 decks that was going to see consistent play because there was still enough great things to be said about Swords to Plowshares. Uh, so I thought that that deck would show up a little bit more, but it just, I mean, white cards were just nowhere. Well, someone said that, I, I read somewhere, someone said they played against a lot of death and taxes. Did you just see that? Just put oh, really? on the lower tables? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I saw zero death and taxes, like, not only across from me, but, like, anywhere on the tables that I just, like, ventured around and, like, was checking out other people. Um, I saw a, a, relative, a, a relatively strong amount of storm, um, obviously a ton of Delver, but like I did not see very many people playing planes. Interesting. Well, I mean, I don't know how much there is to actually say about this Grand Prix. I mean, that was the that was the big difference from Seattle was that Miracles had two players in the top eight in Seattle, I believe, and uh, this one, like you said, there's I don't see a single white card. Just double checking. In the top 16, yep. Doesn't wow. that look like that made it. Oh, wait. Wait, sorry. Nope. Yes, there is. There is uh, one of the four color stone blade decks with four swords to plowshares and four stone forge mystics. Sorry, I saw four color Leovold, uh, <laughs> which I think is so funny. They call this, in fact, uh, Reed Duke just streamed with this deck, the stone forge, or not streamed up, did a video on Channel Fireball. And they call it, they always call it, like, four-color Leovold. There's two Leovolds and four true names, so I don't know if it's really a Leovold deck, but say that for another day. No, Leovold is the, like, I'm, I'm going to be so curious how much play Leovold sees. Did I just make a sentence? How much play Leovold sees once Deathrite goes? Because Death, uh, Leovold gets in on all of these decks on just the free green splash that you're already doing anyway yeah so it doesn't really cost you anything to just play leobold being such a powerful haymaker but when that's gone like when you're not just playing the free roll of green because of death right shaman i wonder if leobold is like going to maintain his status as like the two three of in these super grindy two for one decks yeah well we'll see we don't want to talk about that though no no no, (laughs) we're we're trying to avoid that i'm I'm very curious to see what happens to like i think leobold is going to be one of the cards that we should all keep our eyes on uh after the fact, because he's either going to find a new home and be awesome, or he's just going to like fall out of favor because the color combination is too is too bad. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the, co- the there is a deck building cost, or at least a a way you fetch your lands and all that kind of stuff. A cost to playing Leovold, even in you know perfect mana world, which some people believe we're in. Um, there's still a little bit of a cost there, and it is there are definitely times when if you have a Leovold hand. It can it can line up poorly against your opponent, you know, just because yeah. they're a Blood Moon deck or a Wasteland deck, you know, and it's just a three three, or they have they have something that can stand in front of it or something like that, you know. Yeah, and you're so, the guy playing a Scrubland in his deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, right. I think it's also the fact that like all of the cards that Leovold is usually played with are usually very color intensive. Yeah. So the the fact that Leovold is a three-color card, him is a double, usually a double-colored card, is obviously it's double black, but then True Name is double blue. Sometimes you're playing Stoneforge, Mystic, Wizards, White. You're playing all of these cards that are super color-intensive, but then you these decks also play Wasteland, which boggles my mind because you're priced into it. And I get you can see Blood Moon, but because all the like you, the fact that you're playing all of these color-intensive spells, it puts so much emphasis on Deathrite being able to fix those colors that. I'm I'm I will just be very fascinated to see if if Leovold even survives. Like, is he going to be essentially uh, put by the wayside because he doesn't have death right to play alongside him? Here's like, look at Leovold's existence and legacy. 
and see if there's ever been a deck where he has existed without death right. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's zero percent. Zero percent chance that's true. Now that also just happens to be that death right was a format. It's like saying, is he ever been in a deck without brainstorm? I guess he has been in Maverick. So there you go. Um, well, he's also been in shit like elves. You know, like they they'll they'll play that out of the board. Yeah, I'm just saying that like, they, I I'm. I feel like Leovold is one of the payoffs for Faradex from playing Deathrite, and then if Deathrite goes, is Leovold going to be one of those things where, at that point, everybody just moves over to even further into True Name because it's single color? Well, the, the thing about Leovold that's... I play... Leovold is, is just this... It's such a haymaker, right? That, like... The way I would sort of... I've, I've played a bunch... I've tried, at least, a couple of these, like, bug, like, natural order decks or something along those lines... Mm-hmm. And there's a there's definitely like this sub plan in even in a deck like that or a Lurin or any any kind of food chains any of these sort of like green value combo decks where it's like okay plan A is maybe my combo plan B is just to like stick Leovold you know and just like you know just turn off their deck and frustrate them into oblivion like he's a one it's so it's a very powerful card and. But you can never you never really see more than two. I mean, for obvious reasons, legendary, three color, three mana, all that stuff. Um, I, I think like a bug deck can survive, you know, in a in a hypothetical world post death right. One thing to note about the Stoneblade decks, of course, is that this one that top uh, it's a it's ninth place at Birmingham that has uh, two wastelands and then seventeen other lands um, that are all uh, fetches or or duels. It also has seven mana dorks, yeah. you know, including the, the noble hierarchs to keep in mind. So it's really like it's a 17 land deck with seven and mana dorks and six cantrips. So it's going it, to those wastelands don't necessarily have to be land slots. They, you know, they, it's, it's just there because it's such good value in your deck that also plays days and seven mana dorks. You just have the wasteland every once in a while. Yeah. Right. No, um, I agree. You're, yeah, you're just gonna scoop to any deck that that moons you anyway. So why play basics that don't advance your day's plan? You know. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I I think that. Well, I mean, I was happy to see a lot of our Phil. You should have been happy to see a bunch of Carns, right? In these prison decks. Dude, no zero, no, no, like no, <laughs> no. Because that means that there's more Chalice running around. And, like, Chalice, I think, was a, a, a solid choice for a format full of Delver players uh, or a room full of Delver players. It, it, everybody should go read the top eight profiles. It, it just – like, the, the top eight profiles and the answers to those, would they just – I, I – they just got me, man. I popped for all of them. The uh, guy who – Gary Campbell, the guy who won the tournament uh, – one of the questions was, why did you choose this deck? And he said, I'm confident in my ability to cast Chalice on one. <laughs> <laughs> I know how Chalice on one works. I can remember the triggers. He's like... <laughs> well, if you remember, I can remember your triggers in a Grand Prix, it's actually pretty important. Yeah. No, no, of course. That's that's. I mean, that's the most important thing you can do after you Chalice on one, is remember that you've cast Chalice on one. I, I understand the, the the how like streamlined this deck is, and it's pretty it, like the list is like fairly clean. You it's pretty much all four ofs, and then like a smattering of win conditions. Yeah. But the 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 thing that like I I look at this deck list and I like twitch when I see the combination of Goblin Rabble Master and Ensnaring Bridge. It just I just can never I can't never unsee it. And I get that like it's still fine because you can use them in different situations and you can attack with all the one ones that Rabble Master. I, I get in theory it still works, but on yeah. paper it just makes my eyes twitch. I mean, in, well, in a world is, though, where you can't cast any any spells like as as an opponent, like you can't cast any spells, whatever your opponent has on the board is just fine. I've been killed by Simeon Spirit Guides and, and Magus of the Moon enough times that I'm like, yeah, I mean, literally whatever you have is fine. I played against it last night and got killed by Magus of the Moon, Simeon Spear Kide, and he fire confluenced away my squee that I was going to use as a forever blocker. So <laughs> yeah, just, he needed I, the, I, just the one extra turn, bought him a win. <laughs> I wonder if, the like, obviously the this is a Chalice deck, and it's Chalice plus 50-some-odd uh, other cards. But I'm curious, is, like, the reason that this is the Chalice deck that, that's uh, gone over the top, is it the Blood Moon effects, or is it Fiery Confluence? I think 
it all sort of works together. You, you can't you can't forget how just insane Chandra is, like especially under an ensnaring bridge, um, where you can't attack her. Um, I, I I mean this deck has been super charged in the past couple years. Yeah, and also I like think. it's it's interesting to see that Fiery Confluence is still a card. You know, uh, there was a there was a time last week when we were like, maybe Fiery Confluence isn't the card you want to play anymore, and it's obviously still a card people are playing. I I don't know. I I think it's great. I wish there was more applications for it than just this deck. It's very strong. You know, just wiping their board. I I got domed for six <laughs> by one. Just like that's the that's the end of the game. Um. Yeah, I think this deck's just been supercharged. They have a lot of things they can switch in and out. Hazaret, Pia, and Kirin. I mean, obviously your Magus, Spirit Guide, um, Blood Moon Chalice, Chrome Mox Bridge. Like, that's your shell. And then then you look at the cards that have come in since Kaladesh was printed, and that's Chandra. Fiery Confluence, I think, is after Kaladesh. I don't know what year that commander set was. Um, Hazaret. Um, Rabblemaster is a little bit older, but... You know, it's just, it, these threats, it's not like they're sitting back and waiting to draw or attack with Arakto's Pit Dragon anymore, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this deck has been souped up by printing, and that's good. I mean, here's another deck that's been souped up by printing, because Walking Ballista is insane. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Steel Stompy, uh, pretty much the same concept, uh, but you're playing faster creatures, and everything in your deck is pretty much a two-drop, right? Like... You've got, like, you know, Lodestone Golem and Edge Champion, but everything else is basically just, like, throw a two-drop down after you throw down your, your you know, your one-drop uh, Chalice, and uh, and then you just take over the game by playing a modern deck. What's really interesting to me about the uh, Steel Stompy deck is that it only plays two Lodestone Golem. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would be a premier threat, but... Well, I guess they've got the four Thorns. It's just, it's it's still four, you know, and if you want to lock hit your lock piece on turn one with Chalice or Thorn, the Lodestone Golem sort of just icing on the cake. I mean, this deck is interesting. It's got the one Phyrexian Metamorph, two couple Let's Champions, which has just got to be the worst. Um, so, yeah, and it's the the uh, sideboard is funny. In, Snaring Bridge, um, you know, against these decks that are winning through the combat step, you know, your Delver-type mid-range decks, you just sit behind the bridge and wait until you can, you know, hit them for 20 with Walking Ballista from behind it. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan of the Steel Stompy deck. It's fun, it's smooth. You get to, you know, basically you're playing like... It's weird because this, this kind of deck has been good in Modern, this kind of deck has been good in Vintage. But it's never really been, you know, a huge deck in Legacy, I guess, until the adoption of... Uh, you know, Lotus Petal and Mox Opal has as ways to uh, to do that. But this deck also has two Karns in the sideboard, so it looks like uh, the future is only going. Like I, I just think that eventually we're going to get to a spot where it's just yeah, four of Karn and call it a day. The future is uh, silver. I think. <laughs> I, I think we're going to notice that in the future, like as it, it, essentially like if you're playing again, if a player goes Chalice, just expect a Karn. I'm surprised people aren't playing Karn Silver Golem because, like, that that's a card that sees a lot of play in uh, Vintage in decks like this. And, like, just being able to, like, turn your Thorn of Amethyst into a creature and slam in with it, turning it, turning your, like, Trinisphere and stuff into a creature and slam in with it. Like, Karn is a great blocker um, if your opponent actually has a threat. But, like, I don't know. It just seems like a card you, you would think about uh, playing. This Not in this particular build where you're not playing as many Mana Rocks. Uh, you know, or I should say spheres, not mana rocks. But um, well, yeah. the reason it gets played in in uh, with vintage is that it kills moxes too. Yes, it also kills your opponent's moxes. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't realize. Good for the mirror. Good for the mirror. Good for the mirror, right? <laughs> yeah, knock off their chalices. Wait, maybe we should all be playing Karn Silver Golem in our decks to knock off all the chalices. <laughs> I don't know. You five heard it here drops. first. You heard uh, it here first, folks. Uh, five drops. Let me introduce you to my friend, veteran explorer, Phil. <laughs> oh man, five drops. Oh, man. Yo, isn't it interesting that Dredge made the top eight? Is it interesting? I mean, I I thought there would be more. St- I was expecting a Lion's Eye Diamond deck. I wasn't expecting this one. Well, that, I, I I don't mean that. I I think that if we were to, we probably should have been able to predict Dredge because it's the one deck that could 
just doesn't give a shit about Chalice. And then also uh, people, because there's so many death rights, people aren't playing as many hateful graveyard board uh, yeah. cards on the board. Well, it'll be interesting to talk to Alexander Mertin. That's how you pronounce it. One lotus petal in the sideboard. That is. This is the be still my heart. This is the dude who was like, oh, I see this guy who put a forest in his sideboard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a petal. <laughs> it's it's lotus strictly petal better than forest. In. Well, you usually play. <laughs> Usually, if you play them, I think you play two or three in the sideboard. He must have just been like shaving them for these other slots. Yeah. Um, he's got an interesting bunch of dread return targets in the sideboard with Elish Nor and Ashen Rider, Blazing Archon. I fucking love Blazing Archon. Um, Blazing Archon's great. It's like you don't have to attack with it, and you just wait until you have like a zillion zombies and then just attack around their Merit Lage. Yeah. Um, I, is this a new thing, or has this been uh, commonplace that they just don't play Dread Return in the main anymore? I think it's well, relatively play- new, like the last year. Um, but I, I think that uh, they stopped doing that because leaning on that plan uh, was something they did w- uh, when they didn't have access. It doesn't look like this version is actually playing that, but th- they didn't have access to, like, Breakthrough. Uh, not Breakthrough. Uh, sorry. Um yeah, it's, this is weird because normally you uh, you would see uh, some other win condition aside from Bridge from Below um, in, in the deck, and I'm not really seeing anything here. It's just a more explosive, uh, okay. like, yes. just leaning completely so the, on this. The, the reason Dread Return isn't in the, in the main deck anymore is that um, it's not always live, and it's kind of susceptible to death right. It's if you're, you know, but Bridge isn't. You know, and you just like turbo bridge, and that's your plan. Yeah. Like that's where you see like four faithless looting, one careful study, three breakthrough, three putrid imp. I mean, it's just like get. I, I don't want a hand. I just wanted like I just want to make a zillion zombies, then you concede because you tapped a land on turn one and didn't do anything that killed my graveyard, right? Street wraith is another component of that. Like just just turboing through Icarids. You know, Icarids a, a staple, obviously. I've seen people shave Icarid. I was I just think that's wrong. I mean, Icarid's so good. Um, but yeah, and then you bring in the Dread Returns, it ends up being sort of like, you can see from his selection, Elesh Norn, Ashen Rider, Blazing Archon, Dread Return is sort of your combo answer, yeah. um, where you can, you know, sort of stop things, um, from, uh, you know, from killing you, I guess. Um, this deck just sort of tries to race Storm, and then, but like, you know, any, any deck that's presenting a big threat early, like Merit Lage or... Uh, Grizzlebrand is tough, so there's your Ashen Rider, Blazing Archon idea, and uh, Elish Norn is good against you know sort of swarmy decks that can block you. Um, it's one Lotus Petal in the board, man. So weird. <laughs> I've seen that he's got a little bit more. Like I don't, I don't know that I would play all three of these Dread Return targets. Um, like usually it's two to three, and that's that's when you bring it in. You bring in the Lotus Petals when you want to turbo dredge, like you really want to turbo dredge and you want access to like multiple things on turn one. Yeah. Uh, like you want to be able to careful study, drop something, then follow it up with faithless looting to dredge, you know? So, um, but yeah, he probably just, that was probably the thing he shaved. Uh, the food chain deck is interesting. There's only two food chain or there's three food chain creatures total. So, you know, um, he's got two miss holographins, one eternal scourge and that's it. No squeeze. No squeeze. This is the bug version. Three force of will with an extra one in the main in the sideboard. Um, this is this is pretty standard. You can see the the two Leovolds here, Phil. Like yeah, again, I, it's sort of like maybe I'll just Leovold them and that'll be enough to win. <laughs> I, I understand that this deck is obviously a it's a creature combo deck, so it has to shave things where it can. My eyes still twitch when I see two ponder. I will never I will never understand. Yeah, there's a lot of other, like, sort of subtle... Oh. Yo, people are calling. People are calling right now to say, play four ponder. I get it. <laughs> there was another deck with only two ponder. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, it was the four-color Leovold deck only had two ponder. There we go. I was, I'm dog-sitting, so uh, some, some neighbor tried to get in, apparently. <laughs> My eyes are still twitching from seeing all these two ponder decks. Please, make yeah. it stop. Um, Let's see what's in the Turbo Depths deck, since we talked about that. Uh, oh, this is so. Phil, when we had Matt Hackford on, he basically said, "Don't you know? Don't play like Death Right Shaman in your Turbo Depths deck. Don't you know? Just just try and go as fast as you can." And like the next day, someone won a tournament with a slower Depths deck. Like but, you do. Uh, this is a pretty this is a pretty standard build though. Yeah. So, uh, 
Matt is still Matt is still right, and then we don't have to look at all these Grixis Delver or check pile decks. We know I mean, uh, the the one Grixis uh, or the, Grixis, the one uh, check pile deck I think we should take a look at quick is uh, Utah's. He okay. was the only pile player to top eight. But what's really interesting about this deck that I noticed are two things. One, it's pretty much just a Grixis deck. If you look at the the whole deck, the only green card in the seventy five is Leobold. Yep, that's it. So it is very much it's 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 check pile, but it really is just a Grixis deck that is just playing the Leobold splash because it's free. Like we talked about. The other thing that's interesting to me is this dude was just like I am going full in on just trying to be Grixis Delver. He's playing three bolts, two push, and the full suite of Snapcaster Mage to be able to just mm-hmm. fight the the threats early. The one thing that you'll notice about his his main deck, he has zero ways. To beat a Merit Lage outside of bouncing it with Jace the Mind Sculptor. So that means that he has to block it with a Baleful Strix first. And then he has zero ways to beat a resolved True Name Nemesis in the main board. But and let's look at his sideboard. But then in his sideboard, like, <laughs> it's very clear that he's like, I will just concede to True Name in the main and concede to Merit Lage in the main because I think I'm just going to run into Grixis Delver all weekend. And then my board is going to be three Diabolic Edict and two Do- Toxic Deluge to just wipe out all of the. Uh, TNNs that are that might be running around. I love this one spell pierce in the sideboard too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that this is this is a very this deck is just so clean to me in where our check pile needed to evolve to in a format that is just dominated at whatever like fifteen percent, twenty percent, whatever it is of Grixis Delver. It's like That's- here's my one mana answers, here's my Snapcaster Mages to flash back those one mana answers, and then I will play my grindy hymns and Kolagon's commands to close out the game but this dude had a plan every game he's like i want a one mana removal spell on two baleful strix or uh him on uh on i'm sorry removal spell on one baleful strix or him on two uh snap on three and then jace you like his curve is like as 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 streamlined as you can make it and i think that you know, again, this this would test your theory about Leovold if Deathrite Shaman were not in this deck, right? Because you can do that, you can still do that, even if you don't have Deathrite. Maybe Leovold doesn't make it in. Maybe we start to see Kess. Now, was Kess in this tournament? Was that this tournament with, with Kess? There was uh, a pile player playing... Uh, yeah, wasn't it the sixth place list? Yep, here it is. So here you go. Like This is a Grixis deck, right? Um, and, you know... He just forewent Leovolds altogether. Yeah, this is this is a this is Grixis Kess, and the only there's only the one trap just for your off-color uh, activations. There's not even any, there's no ancient grudge or abrupt decay or anything like that. Even there's so, not even is a, there pre- a reason, pretense of green mana in this deck. Is there a reason why we're not calling it Grix Kess? Grix Kess because <laughs> it's already so hard to say. Kess is that is hard to say? Is that card. too hard to say? Like, did, did, did this color combination really need this card? Like. This isn't Grixis. <laughs> True or false? Liliana, the Last Hope is the best card that still isn't considered. Like, oh yeah, this is a card that every black deck should be playing. Yeah, I mean, how much is it going for right now? Like, uh, in paper, like it's got to be. Uh, yeah, it's like thirty-seven. A, it's bucks. like a forty-dollar card that no one's really talking about. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. This strikes me as the type of Walker that is just at some point. People are going to recognize that she's played in absolutely everything, and then she's going to be $100 like the other Liliana. Yeah, I mean, people aren't even really playing, uh, what, uh, what's it called, uh, the... Uh, uh, Liliana the Veil? Vale. Yeah, Liliana the Veil. Vale. At all, at this point, they're just playing uh, Liliana the Last Hope now. So, uh, it's pretty it's pretty crazy, because, I mean, the card's straight value, like, putting two things in your graveyard and getting and getting a creature back is, is, is not nothing. Casting weakness every turn... Kills your opponent's guy or makes or makes for a profitable attack and then like the ultimate is what just like zombies and you, you win die yeah <laughs> yes can you can you live through the zombies Liliana I think is good of course it is just too much of a the way that the format is right now with uh, the big creature combos and then you still have to respect the, uh, decks like Storm it is still kind of a brick there and you don't really want to go all in on it and you see one main one side here. Um, but uh, you know, it's very, very strong, and it's, and it's a very oppressive card in any sort of fair matchup. So, um, yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, moving over to Dead Gone in the sideboard for Merit Lage instead of Edicts. Um, so it's flexible. So again, you you can also bring it in against Grixis Delver, and it and it bounces things like uh, it bounces uh, Grimag Angler and kills Deathrite. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean I think the card is a, a smart choice. I like it a lot. Um, interesting. There are there are no Edicts in this deck. Oh, there's one in the main. Um. Yeah, this is a pretty this is a pretty straight up deck, right? It's just uh well thought sees you, will him you if you're playing well, you know, address or thought sees you and then him you if you're playing a combo deck, or we'll uh just bolt all your guys and then land this stupid card. Yeah, I that. wonder how many of his card choices he's he's playing a couple of more one ofs, he's a little bit more spread out in terms of his spell suite. I wonder how much of that is a nod to Kess or if it's just he thought playing one thought season three him as opposed to just a full suite of him or cutting a K command so he can fit in the edict and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I well, wonder how I, much of that is a nod to Kess. When I, when I build decks like this, I often think like it's just old. I mean, I, I always feel like it's old fashioned, but I just think in terms of old time mana curve management, right? Like what kind of effect do I need and what mana cost is it? Right. So three him, one thought season might've been like, you know, I've got to, you know, I need another one drop here because I'm going to draw too many two drops or too many black intensive two drops in my opening hands too often, you know, mm. search for can't is another two drop that's in here. Um, obviously snapcaster is an effective three drop casts a four drop effective five drop. If you want to even use it that turn. So, um, you know, I think that's that you see those choices made that way. Like why wouldn't you load up on edicts in this format? You know, still two mana. Two mana is still not as good as one. The other thing that this deck gets, so he cuts the Leovold to remove all of the green from the main deck. Uh, so, I mean, or all the green in general. So he's only playing a drop. So he cuts from other pile decks, he cuts the Badlands and the Bayou for two Wasteland. Uh, yeah, he's got one Badlands in here. Does he usually play two in pile? Well, most, are, sure. most have been playing two now that they uh, are on double black for both him and okay. Lily. Uh but you would need enough red sources to be able to play both NK command. Yeah. And these are just value wastelands. Like it, it, when you see two wasteland, like obviously there are things you're worried about specifically. Um, it's not really mana denial. It's more like, Oh, I really don't want them to have a tabernacle or a maze of it. Um, I don't want them to have dark depths. I don't want them to have Rashad and port, you know, things like that. Cards I, not agree just, uh, yeah. I agree yeah. that it's a, it's value wastelands. I also think that if, when you're testing Kess, you, if you say, okay, my end game is going to be play, putting a Kess onto the t- table and having it live because it's a 3-4, uh, you need ways to be able to shoot down people's Caracas. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, Caracas is another good one. Uh, the other one I was thinking of that I didn't, that I didn't think of offhand was uh, uh, which is can, which can be really irritating when you have Wasteland in your deck and you're trying to uh, Pyroblast show-and-tell. <laughs> you know, there has been... Uh, a, I was uh, I traveled with uh, the fastest miracles player alive, Sam Rukas, uh-huh. and he was playing back to basics in his main board. And we were talking about how it was just crushing people all weekend. And uh, one of the sweetest plays that he was talking about was he got to lock out a Basaju that came in to play tapped because he followed up with a back to basics. Sweet, <laughs> that's nice. Nice Basaju, bro. Now, how, did, how did Sam do? You said he went X four, X four, and he made day two. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. He's the fastest miracles player alive. Of course, he made day two. Yeah, so you that's a pretty good showing. His, you can't even see his hands. He 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 moves so fast. Yes, uh, yeah, we played against Sam a bunch. We had him on the show. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's your that's your tournament. Um, just I don't think there was anything else to really discuss from it. Um, I mean I think this just goes to show that we we need. I'm I'm really hoping that one of these sets, whether it's that new Battle Bond set that's coming out or. Uh, any of the the news? I mean, they just announced uh, we're going back to Ravnica again. So I'm 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 hoping that those sets can shake something up. That way, we're not just looking at uh, a list full of Delvers and a list full of chalices to be Delvers. Yeah, I'd yeah. really like to see the format like change a lot over the next month or two, uh, or sorry, next month or two over the next year or two. Um, so it 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 just be cool to see people playing something something new and uh, and also like not completely bricking everybody's uh collection as well so uh here's hope for that well there were we're recording on friday so there were some announcements today you guys alluded to it um 
there will be a, like a bunch of new Ravnica stuff starting October 5th. So that's not quite the next couple months. We do have oh. a we do have a core set coming up that could do something, but over under, we get in the new Ravnica we get the death right that they should have printed the first time around. Well, we'll <laughs> we, we get we it get will be pretty O1, funny. We get the O one that costs green that has the same abilities except instead of two life it's one life and uh, it is <laughs> it has uh, uh, which only a green symbol in the top right corner. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. I it, <laughs> I would be into that just to just to put it to bed. There'll be there'll be uh two white uh two white guilds in the in the first set. So there should be two of it, every every guild uh, c- uh color guild in the Oh, does that how it works? Yeah, blue, yeah. blue, red, red. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can I always get lost in the math. Um, so. They only didn't do that for the first time around in Ravnica, uh but now they try and make sure that uh you get a full suite of all the of all the colors twice. Uh, when they go th- yeah. when they go through all the guilds, uh, but it looks like we're seeing Selesnia, uh, uh, is it Golgari? Um, what else? Uh, Oros, Oros and Demir. And Demir, yeah, is is our is our colors initially. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I I would like to see some is it cards that uh, might slot into uh, Rug Delver for once. Here's my fantasy booking. You ready for my fantasy booking? Sure. Yeah. Please. Okay. All right. Here's here's how I fantasy book Ravnica because the the whole storyline here is they're saying that this is the uh, penultimate round with Nicol Bolas. So the last set is going to be the like the final showdown with Nicol Bolas. So here's what I think is going to happen because there's no way they put their biggest villain ever to bed, right? They're not ending him here. They're just going <laughs> to they're going to put him on a hi- hiatus for a little bit. So here's what I think happens. I think Bolas figures out how to just uh, like artificially put sparks into uh, legends, right? So he can just at, he can just turn people into walkers if he feels like it. He turns Niv Mizzet into walkers, and we get like the Legion of Doom. That's just a bunch of dragons going against our, <laughs> our, our our Gatewatch. The dragons maze we really wanted to see. Yeah, so just like a bunch <laughs> of dragons versus a bunch of wizards, and then that's it's it's Gatewatch versus the Legion of Bolas, and Niv Mizzet is the first one. To, to join the fray and it's going to be dope. Yeah, I cool. mean, I oh, would maybe. love to see a uh, uh, you know eight mana planeswalker to visit. Maybe you I know can what? slot that into my rug delver deck. <laughs> you just you just had me thinking of something when you said that that Phil like you know we're joking around about like they'll give us the death right we should have had. What about the exact same card but as an actual planeswalker? Yeah, it'll be pretty funny. <laughs> death, death, death right is the first ever one mana walker. Yeah, just like. It'll have some weird name like you know, you know, Paul Deathrite Shaman or something. Oh, I don't it, know. It, it it has no good name. It's just Henry it's just, the Deathrite Shaman. Zero <laughs> mana ability plus one exile creature gain ability minus one, uh, eat instant sorcery drain. Um, I, I one thing I really wanted to see in this is that when I came back to the game originally and started like reading on what I had missed. Ravnica, the original Ravnica City Guild's uh, guild pack dissension, mm-hmm. was really heavily influenced by like Eastern European uh, culture, and uh, you know you see that in a lot of the names, the Demir, uh, Orzov, and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt when they went back, it was way more like just like sort of genericized. You didn't have those like cool names and stuff anymore, and I hope they get back to that a little bit. I mean, they probably won't. That's sort of a, a pie in the sky thing, but. I, I really like genericized. That. If that's a if that's a word. I dig it. Genericized. I think it's a word. That's what I've learned in in ten years of editing. Let's talk about Battle Bond for a second. So there's. I think this is going to be just like a new thing where they're going to accidentally put stuff in the legacy that makes it miserable. Um, but or not, I guess. But these 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 legends that come in it like they they t- enter the battlefield tutor right. So that's something to keep an eye on. So the the effect is. Partner with another card. So the spoiler that we got was Pure Imaginative Rascal and his counterpart, Toothy Imaginary Friend. So it's a kid who has an imaginary friend. And (laughs) the effect is partner with the other card. So when either of them enter the battlefield, you just straight up get to tutor for the other one. So obviously these are... Like, go on, read the spoilers. They're long. They're not going to see legacy play, but there are three and four mana spells. But if they put this mechanic on a, a, a two mana spell that just replaces itself, then we're looking at Stoneforge Mystic territory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anything's any good or has some other sort of weird combo, I mean, there's a thing you can do with that. I mean, I haven't, I haven't read these cards in full, but they are in Simic colors. You know, right. These two. 
I don't think it's getting rug delver though. It's a no, no, three mana three, one one. Three mana and a four, <laughs> and a four mana card. I mean, maybe we could just go bigger, you know? Like, you know, there's there's uh, Grixis control. You know, why don't we go rug control? Yo, three mana one one into a four mana one one. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Well, yeah, and if you draw, it's like whenever you draw a card. Then you so okay, the first four, one. Four. No, actually, it's a seven seven because because uh, the peer, if you still have him in play. He doubles the amount of counters that, or it's that many counters plus one. It's the uh, oh man, so yeah, winding constrict, maybe winding constrict monster. You just got to think about it like this: if you've spent seven mana to put two power and two toughness into play, then brainstorm is great. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think that uh, it, making brainstorm playable is a uh, is a thing that Wizards have been trying <laughs> to do for a while, and it's it's nice to see that they're uh, they're they're making they're making strides in that in that market. Thank you, Battlebond, for doing what we've been asking for all this time. Right, finally. Um, there's a global series that they're doing as well. They announced today for some uh, China-focused Chinese-speaking world for for cards for the Chinese-speaking world. So there will be some new cards. They don't. I don't think they'll be very strong. I think it's supposed to be like the point of the intro decks. Only be but, standard legal in China. Only be standard legal. So if you break them, you got to go to to a Chinese Grand Prix to uh <laughs> to yeah. play it. It doesn't look like you they're, too, they're too broken, so that's that's good, I guess. Minus three, draw two cards. Wow, six mana divination. <laughs> hey, it's like a mana. slightly worse opportunity. <laughs> slightly. How about this four mana or five mana mini giant growth? <laughs> yeah, it's five so mana, three, three. you got just guys go look up these these cards. They are obviously not going to see play, but I am excited that there are more Black Border cards that will all be... Like, all of these things are going to be legacy legal, and I think anything... I get that, like, Conspiracy has a history of just making a bunch of busted cards that, you know, have made the format arguably not as fun as it should be, but I think anything right now to shake up the format is going to be a net positive. Right. Okay, where are we going from here, guys? We talked about the uh, Grand Prix that Phil was at. Yeah, let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, a current trend in uh, in MTG finance called buyouts. Yes, let's talk about that. Let's, well, I, I guess I guess the first thing <laughs> we should do is let let's play the let's play the fill game. Where, yeah, play the fill game. Where, where you say a price and then and then Phil Phil realizes how much it costs. Yeah, okay, I'm so. obviously <laughs> just gonna just gonna guess a bajillion dollars for literally everything now because why not of course like things things are just like like why why should people be able to play this game like no you either are a millionaire and you can play cards that like would never otherwise be played or you just don't get to you just don't get to have that you just don't get to do that you have you have are you seeing my screen yeah of course of course palancron's 45 dollars because that's yeah okay okay, how about this one palancron's to be 45 dollars jihad all right so jihad jihad is an important one actually um, yeah. I see. I see triple white from Arabian Nights. Okay, so Jihad is going for uh, eight hundred dollars according to uh, uh, MTG stock. MTG stock. Now, okay, here's here's what I want people eBay? to do at home. First off, first off, just just think about what the I I, I have not I, I get that the card is up on the screen, but I'm not looking at it because I don't know what the card does, and I'm going to guess the effect that is currently worth eight hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, go ahead. What do you know? Okay, what for three white you don't white. Don't know what jihad for, does. So you're for saying, three white you're white. Guess. It's a it's a what? It's a sorcery. It's an enchantment. Okay, so it's an enchantment. A three three white three white white or white 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 enchantment for eight hundred and twenty dollars from Arabian Nights. Definitely Armageddon's the opponent buys me lunch and then gets me drunk. <laughs> it does not no. do that, unfortunately. It does not uh, do that. Okay, hold so, on. I'll, I'm going to guess one more. I'm going to guess one more. Sure. Uh, it gives all of my green creatures protection from blue and then also pumps all of my pr- creatures that currently gain protection plus two, plus one until the end of my second turn of the following game. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't do that either. Uh, Yo, these cards are dumb. What is so, what could possibly be worth eight hundred dollars? Well, that's that's where I, I want to jump in and uh, tell you that if you uh, use these magic websites that do all of the uh, all of their algorithms based on like what people are listing these are on, you're gonna end up getting getting screwed. So uh, I've been watching a, a YouTube channel called Heroes and Legends, 
Uh, the guy who does that does a really good job of explaining uh, what's going on with the current buyouts. And uh, I, I definitely suggest you check out his, his, uh, his uh, YouTube series. It's, it's really smartly done, and he does a lot of research, a lot more than I'm going to do right now in telling you how this works. So what, what's happening is people are buying out uh, uh, reserve list cards like Jihad uh, and, and like Juzum Jin, the Urza's Factory cards, uh, or Mishra's Factory cards, stuff like that. And they're, uh, they're buying all of them out but the most expensive ones. And then they're relisting them at like 9 to 20 times their price. So what happens is uh, you get this like $100 card that suddenly is going for $5,000. And then they median that at like $2,000. And then that sort of becomes the new price that people are seeing online. Those prices are not real. If you go to eBay and you look at sold listings... And just over the last couple of days, like we're looking at May May 6th sold, uh, May 15th sold, uh, $250. So still expensive, but not like $800 expensive as far as this card is concerned. You want to know what I really like is that all of that info, information that we just divulged on these buyout cards, we also never actually said what Jihad does. Yeah, Jihad. Uh, so let me explain Jihad real well, fast. I, I don't even know if you need to tell us. Like, who cares? It's never going to see play. It's no, just no, not, it's not one of those cards that's Jihad, ever going to be in a deck. Jihad gives all creatures plus two, plus one that you control. If, as long all as white you creatures. have all white creatures, uh, as long as, what is it? Uh, you have the no opponent. other color uh, in play in your opponent. So I'll just read no, the card. You, you choose, choose a color. color. Yeah. And the opponent has cards of that color in play. The opponent has it. All white creatures, even if they have them, get plus two, plus one. And then you sacrifice Jihad if uh, the opponent doesn't have colors of that type in play. Yo, I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised at how close I got. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually not too far off. Almost almost bought you lunch there. Um, yeah, so so that's that's one of the cards that's doing it. Uh, Thunder Spirit is a card you're looking at right now. So let's let's get a look at Thunder Spirit on eBay and see what the current sold listings are for that. I, I have a feeling that, that Thunder Spirit might be a legit buyout, um, or at least a legit price increase. Um, but, let's see, uh, completed listings, uh, so you, you had that at, what, uh, $200? There's a lot of Italian ones here. Yeah, but here's, the... Here's a... I've got one for $62.99. Mm-hmm. Sold, sold at $125. On that was a while ago. Sold at $125 on May 14th. You can get Italian ones... Uh, a playset just sold for two two twenty. So uh, if if you're looking for these cards, you can find them cheaper uh, than than the Magic websites that are trying to sell them to you. Um, uh, recently, uh, we talked about the uh, the tor- the fake torrent report with uh, Meditate. Um, mm-hmm. If if you can bring up Meditate and see how much Meditate is currently going for. Oh, um, it sunk like a stone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Meditate. Uh, someone posted a fake tournament where they had four Meditates in a in a deck. And people, the uh, the, yeah, the, the the card shot up to $60, and everyone found out it was fake. But, but it you know, the price memory is weird, so people try to, you know, k- keep with whatever the price memory is when they're selling. Um, and so uh, this card's now down to $19. Um, I was able to get them on uh, eBay for uh, $60 for a playset, and that was actually still overpaying. It's a $7 card right now on eBay. If you, if you look on eBay, you can find copies for $7. So definitely when you're looking at these older cards, do your research first because, uh, you know, this is a public service announcement to people who are, are playing uh, any almost any format. Do your research first before you just click click buy on something that you see that you've seen get bought out because you have like FOMO uh, because that's that's real really uh, a, a real shady tactic that's going on right now. With the buyouts and uh, and you know the best thing we can do as players is be vigilant and not and not pay too much money for these cards so that people don't get uh get incentivized to continue doing this because we want to make the game uh, still accessible uh, years down the road and that's one way that it will uh, quickly become not accessible is if people buy into these buyouts. I think the thing that's that if you're gonna buy out cards, buy out shit like. Thunder Spirit that's just never going to see play in anything. Well, Thunder Spirit Stop, sees play don't, in old like the, the, the buyouts that are hurtful are the ones that are just pricing people out of being able to play the formats where those cards are actively played a lot. Yes. Well, I mean, so the buyout for Thunder Spirit is is old school based. Um, people are people play it uh, occasionally in old school, and that, that's another thing I wanted to talk about uh, while we're on this like MTG Finance section of the of the show is. 
you know, with with all with formats like uh, uh, what's it called uh, old school becoming uh, you know, increasing in popularity, and there's a new, uh, a relatively new one called postmodern increasing in popularity. Premodern, pre-modern sorry, premodern uh, increasing in popularity. You're gonna start to see some of these cards increase in value a bit. But they shouldn't spike to like two hundred, three hundred dollars overnight. That's crazy. So if you see, uh, if you see uh, people gaining an interest in in uh, a format like pre-modern or old school, and then all of a sudden all of these cards skyrocket in price, a lot of times it's because that people think that they can get one over on people who who are you know nostalgically playing the game. Um, so I, I think it's definitely important to do your to do your homework before you go in and uh, just purchase a card. And hopefully the the sites that do that use these algorithms will figure that figure out a way to fight this as well. Um, I wanted to say a couple things about pre well because pre modern I've been talking to Zach about and and Phil a little bit since you got back. Just you know this this format between fourth and uh, and seventh edition just to you know someone brought it up as another like a, might be a fun thing for us to try at the store. And, you know, I got to be honest, I looked on the, the list. I looked on the list of cards that are legal. I found a bunch of whatever was on the reserve list at like under a certain dollar amount that I thought I might want to play with. I bought a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Just because I didn't want to. You don't want to be yeah. having to do this research in, in a couple of months when, when, you know, your local starts actually uh, supporting pre-modern as like a, a, a once a month kind of thing. You know, it like, wasn't the smartest. I'm not saying that there was a smart thing to do either. Oh, I'm just yeah, saying sure. That, like, I did it because I was like, you know, I want to do this and I want to be able to build decks to lend out to people who want to play with us. Um, so I, you know, I mean, not everything was, it wasn't like I, you know, they weren't expensive cards, but they were cards that I was like, I bet if this thing really takes off, it could be super expensive. I mean, I went um, and bought, or, uh, what's it called? Uh, I went and bought Frostbloom because I was just like already working on buying these old decks from my childhood. And I, I saw that this is the format and I was like, you know what, before all these cards skyrocket up and I can't actually build these old decks. I, I'm just going to go, go ahead and purchase the, the, the cards I want because yeah. seeing them get bought out is going to, is going to be heartbreaking later on when I just want to have these nostalgia moments where I get to play old decks with my friends and I can't because someone's decided that they want to try and make their uh, fortune off of selling, <laughs> selling magic cards to people with a little bloom. nostalgia, you know? Um, the other thing I want to mention about this, this, Sort of uh, this uh, phenomenon here is the impact it's going to have on stores. There are stores that definitely peg their prices on singles to various TCG Player or Star City or MTG Goldfish metrics. Yeah. And you can see here we have the Thunder Spirit one that's been up that uh, it says the mid is two hundred eight seventy two. The market price is nine is half that ninety nine forty nine right. And then you see Card Kingdom selling it. The Card Kingdom at the top, one ninety nine ninety nine for Thunder Spirit. Yeah, and that's, and, just, that's uh, just something that happens because they don't. They're not checking these. Uh, you know, they're not checking eBay to make sure that their prices are correct. The question is, could like, you know, and I and I hate to to be to feel like I have to be in this position, right? Because you know, at least like you know, the the couple of game stores that I patronize locally, I you know, am friends with the owners. I don't want to be you know haggling with them. But I also don't want to just like yeah, I mean, shake my hundreds, hundreds of dollars is 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 enough to say, hey man, look, you, you know, uh, it it behooves us all to educate each other about this sort of thing. And TCG market price is generally correct about this sort of stuff too. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so you know, when you see when you see something in a store that's that's way way too expensive, it's okay to tell the tell the person, hey, I don't know if you know you're you know you you're using the right price metrics for your cards um you know and and it's it's totally on them to say hey I, I do what i want you know but yeah just know just know that you know you can you can talk to people and educate them about about this without being a jerk to them also you know i don't think it's being jerky it's just it does put you in that position to be yeah. like hey man i don't really want to i, I want to give you money for this but not this much money you know yeah. and i think and i want to support anybody, you and not some guy on the internet yeah but. i think anybody that that uh you know is, is is a local business who uh you know isn't trying to rip people off is going to see that that's that's the proper thing to do and if they don't that's okay you don't have to spend you know three hundred dollars at that particular place to buy a thunder spirit you know yeah right um but if you want an unlimited verdurin enchantress Here's a good one. TCG player made 400. TCG player market price 1052. Yeah. Card Kingdom 799. 
Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, I think people have figured out a little bit that th- that this buyout thing that they're doing is 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 happening and and they're adjusting to it a bit, but like, you know, somebody somebody made a made a nice chunk of money at, at some point doing this. So, uh, you know, there's an incentive there for people to figure out ways to uh, you know, screw other people out of money uh through a completely unre- unregulated market that is basically what magic cards are. Bill, to sort of bring it back to the beginning, did do you see any sort of difference in how cards were priced or how, you know, stores interacted with players in Birmingham compared to, like, America? No, I mean, the the one difference is obviously that everything was in pounds, but everything was corrected for the uh, exchange. Yeah. Uh, so the only thing that, like, at first I was surprised because I was like, oh, man, like, the the because the pricing is the same, I was like, I you should not be shopping – if if you're paying or if you have U.S. dollars, you shouldn't be paying for stuff in pounds because I was seeing that underground seas and stuff were selling or, or being bought for 330 pounds. And I was like, oh, wow, they're actually just giving you a 30 percent markup because of the exchange. And then I was informed, no, all those duels spiked again. <laughs> so I actually learned that like underground sea went over 500 and Volk went over 500 because I was – uh, uh, I didn't under I, I wasn't looking at those prices because I have those duels now. So I, I just didn't realize that those those lands jumped a couple of hundred dollars again. And I learned that because of the exchange rate. Yeah, I mean the way, they, the way that they actually interacted on prices, it seemed it was not any different. You just have to be conscious of uh, whatever the exchange rate was if you're playing in a country that has a different um, currency. Yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah, you know, it's sort of a downer note to end on, but uh, but you know, it uh, there's a little bit of positivity there too. Just that you know, we you, we know this is happening. Let's try as, as players to be vigilant. Let's see if we can get stores on our side because they don't want their uh, power artifacts to be sitting on the shelf forever. Yeah, and it's not you know? it doesn't do them honestly. any good. It's not it's not a sustainable uh, situation for the stores either because those are cards that are just not go- they're going to languish. They've paid money for them they need to get rid of them to continue to stay open so uh it's important that you know for them as well to know that like they can't you know they can't make a a living just having a bunch of really super expensive cards sit on their shelves you know yeah i think it's it's unfortunate yeah it's unfortunate because it means players who might be looking to parlay some cards they might have been sitting on for a while into something have to be willing to, to bite the bullet a little bit and be like, no, I know this price isn't real, yeah. so I'm not going to sell it for this. Like, I've started to see a little bit of that in some of the yeah. trading. For, I I got rid oh. of my uh, time twister for 600 when it's when when like a revi- uh, revised an unlimited time twister spiked to like five thousand dollars because I knew that price wasn't real, but I also knew that like, hey, you know, like I can leverage this uh, for you know for uh, a couple uh, a, a couple hundred dollars, um, and you know like. That's that's half of my rent, you know. Like that's that's not so bad. Sorry, I just said I was like the alpha one is what I was looking yeah, at. Yeah, So yeah, <laughs> now it's up to the market price is is has adjusted back down from five thousand dollars to thirteen hundred dollars, and uh and I think that that's like six hundred dollars a few months ago is a fair is a fair uh you know exchange for that. But like if you look at this spike up here, like that's crazy to to just go to like five grand overnight like someone bought out all of the unlimited ones put them back up for like quadruple the price and now they're like you know they're about double the price now that they were b- before the buyout which is still kind of disheartening but you know it's it's not as crazy and i bet nobody bought them for five thousand dollars that's crazy no one's going to buy especially because the beta ones were going for like three thousand dollars at the time <laughs> right exactly well anything else for this week guys um, I think that's it. I think uh, we should t- we should like kind of spoil a little bit of next week. So next week, I I I've messed around a little bit with the the postmodern format, and I, I kind of I think uh, Nate Nate might try some too, and uh, we're at least gonna talk about some of the decks. Yeah, we'll try that. Uh, I'm actually playing it on Thursday theoretically, oh, so we'll see if uh, we can record on Friday the next day or something. But that's yeah, great. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm. It's just funny to like look at this list of cards and think like I wonder if these were ever played together back then. I also I also felt that I never would have quit if I had stuck out through in Odyssey. I quit in the middle of Invasion Block. 
I originally. Yeah, that's about about when I stopped initially. And I think if I had stuck it out to Apocalypse into Odyssey, I would have stuck around the whole time, which is interesting to think about. But all I know is that Nickfit uh, is actually legal in this format, so we can figure something else out. So <laughs> another way to do that. You can top out with Autumn Willow. Oh man. <laughs> That's then you going can, deep, right? Then you can pay two mana to giant growth. Your Autumn Willow? Woo! <laughs> All right. All right, yeah, I think Feel that's good? it, guys. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Thanks for coming back. <laughs> All have right. Have a good week, everybody. Have a good one, guys. Cheers, everyone. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's how we go. Keep it up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternal dirtles and they'll hook you up with a free book and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.